This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Yes. We are allowing you back onto our plane. Yes, this is Silver and Black today. We're on a flight to nowhere. No, we're on a flight to bring you the latest in Raiders information. Uh, we are an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate your subscription. Put on the auto download. That helps us out significantly. Um, my partner, by the way, we got off. We started off the show with the 9-11 Remembrance. My partner, Mo Moten, is a senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report covering the NFL. He also covers the Raiders for sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me, your host, Scott Branson, at LV Gully on Twitter, as well as reading my stuff up on sportsnot.com where I cover the NFL and other things. So uh, check it out. We certainly appreciate you. The show is SNB Today. Uh, by the way, before we get started to want to do a quick little shout out. We have a good friend on Twitter, um, excuse me, we have a good friend who contacted us via Twitter or email, I can't remember which one, uh, and her name is Claudette, and and her dad, she sends us pictures. Her dad, Mo, owns uh, and runs a, 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 a men's store in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, called Stark and Legum. Stark and Legum. I'm going to show this up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. I'm showing them her website because... I want to give a shout out to Michael Benton because Michael or Mike um, plays our show in his store. And I didn't bring that picture up. I should have brought that picture up. And by the way, Mo, you can see this. See that white hat on the left there? I see it. That's the Midtown Mo hat right there. Oh, my gosh. Come on, I like man. The I actually like the black one. You like the black one better? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, that's okay. And then even look at he's even got Navy Indiana Blue. Jones. He's even got the Indiana Jones fedora. For those that you that partake. Anyway, look at the shoes. Stark and Legum, if you're in Norfolk, Virginia, and you need menswear, go there. Because uh, he's a big Silver and Black Today fan, a big Raiders fan. And Mike, we appreciate you having us on in your store. Uh, especially because, um, you know, we, we without you and without folks watching and listening to us, we wouldn't. And I'm going to go here. I think there's a picture. I can't remember. Mike, I don't know if one of these is you. I think it is. I think you're the one on the left there. I could be wrong or the one at the top. But anyway, a great story about the history of this business, which started in 1924. And so if you need menswear hats, you name it. They even have a VIP hat club, which I might need to do. Um, but you, if you need, because it is a haberdashery, 
Say it with me. Haberdashery. Yes. So I just want to give a shout out. He's a big fan. He plays our um, show in his store a lot. So so uh, make sure you go buy Stark and Legum if you need menswear, hats, you name it. They got everything there, including suits. I got to get Mo in a suit. Now that would be the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear them anymore either. Like I, I have two. I think the last time I bought a suit was maybe five years ago. Um, one, I they're a little snugger than they need to be, but they still fit. But yeah, I, I, was, ha- I haven't had to wear I, one much. I was always raised to have a, a, a ready-made suit in the closet just yeah. in case, you know. Wedding, so I do have, house. yeah, I do have a suit in the closet ready to go just in case. Something good happens. Someone's getting married. You know, you want to call me in for a cameo? I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm ready. Uh, may have to contact Lettuce's dad to get myself, you know, tip top yes. shape to be ready. But it was pretty cool getting that email from her. And because yeah. it's twice now she, she showed uh, a photo of the store through email just showing us up on the screen. I just remember being a young kid going to these clothing stores and you know, they have their screens up and whatever's on there. And just to imagine walking into a store and seeing us up on the screen, it would be surreal. So shout out to <laughs> him for doing be. that. Especially, you know, he's, although I have to say there is a bunch, I don't know what it is. Our good friend, Kev, who we, we, we interact with Twitter all the time. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of Raider fans in Virginia. I don't know. I, I probably because they're like me. They're over 45. And so during the heyday of the Raiders, they were either a kid or in their formative years. So there's a lot of fans. Like like I said, this podcast has listened to a lot of folks in New York City. So down in Virginia, there's an enclave there as well. And, and the fact that Mike uh, is playing us in a store is really cool. So thank you, man. We are, by the way, going to work through, we're going to send to the store for you some swag. We're going to send you some silver and black today. Uh, gear as well as the 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 mighty Midtown Mo T-shirt, because you know we gotta do that. And so you just have to put it on and maybe maybe put on one of your cool hats or put on one of your coats and send us a picture back in so we can we can share it with folks. But thank you, Mike. We appreciate you and we hope that you uh, do great business. And if we can bring at least one customer to you, uh, we would be very very happy. Okay, we're gonna talk about Jimmy Garoppolo first, Mo. Uh, the Garoppolo era begins, and of course. Why don't talk about Derek Carr? Why are you talking about Derek Carr? Well, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo both had good days yesterday. Their teams both won, both come from behind victories. So one side or the other can't go bitching about the other side (laughs) and how one quarterback's better than the other, right? At least that's what I'm thinking. But I will tell you this: what what's what hit me like 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 a brick wall was just watching Garoppolo in the game yesterday. Because he's he's a different player than the former quarterback. He plays the game a little bit differently. He has some of the same strengths, some different strengths. And overall, what I thought of, and, I, and it's on the graphic on the video, which is right player for the right time. We talked about Jimmy Garoppolo from the beginning being a system player. And if you look at what he does, he finds the plays, except for the, the, the terrible throw in the end zone, he finds the plays given to him within the structure of the system and that specific play call. And to me, that for that's what Josh McDaniels needs for him to coexist with a quarterback, just like Tom Brady did in New England with Bill Belichick. They have to be on the same page and they have to know their limitations and they have to stay within it. I saw a lot of that yesterday, Mo. Do you agree with me on that? 
you saw a lot of it through the play calling. I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he didn't play a lot in the preseason, I believe he had just one drive, seemed pretty comfortable in Josh McDaniel's offense. Now you would understand the previous quarterback not going to seem not going to look all that comfortable because it's his first time working with Josh McDaniels. But I remember a lot of people saying, well, Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh McDaniels haven't worked together in years, so I'm not expecting it. They weren't expecting it to click right away. But when a quarterback understands the system and the, and the play caller understands the quarterbacks, as you said, strengths and their weaknesses, uh, you usually would get something pretty close to crisp. And Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty close to crisp on Sunday. I believe he was 20 for 26 passing for about yep. 200 yards. Mm-hmm. So minus the red zone interception, and that's not on that's not on Josh McDaniels, that's on Jimmy. I felt like Josh McDaniels devised a pretty good game plan for his quarterback, and you could tell by the way he was, by the way Jimmy was efficient in the pocket. Most certainly, and I think as well, I saw Jimmy Garoppolo, who is never going to be known as a mobile quarterback. <laughs> Let's set that straight now. But when he had to use his legs, he didn't hesitate. The lack of hesitation. To me, I think is that comfortable nature of being in that system, being familiar with it, being familiar with your coach, all that stuff. Ju- and that's why I say perfect player for the right time as a bridge quarterback, especially because he's going to have that level of comfort. The the play that ended the game, the eight yard scramble, right when with the incredible block, by the way, by Josh Jacobs on that play to free up the room for Jimmy Garoppolo to run. But you saw that. That was the kind of play that Josh McDaniels looks for from his quarterback. He doesn't want a running quarterback. He'll never draft a running quarterback, by the way, for Raider fans who want (laughs) some dual-threat quarterback. Um, But nonetheless, that's what worked for him. And I think, again, even though he almost got injured on the first series, and I was just like, this can't be happening. Um, (laughs) It was crazy. Um, Yes. And, and Aiden O'Connell, of course, was the emergency quarterback yesterday. He wasn't on the active roster. But anyway, I, I think you saw it there. You saw the clicking with Jacoby Myers. Those two have a chemistry. Quarterbacks always seem to find at least one receiver that is always on the same page with them. It happens to be Jacoby Myers, which is which is great for him. Maybe not great for Hunter Renfro. But overall, and he got, he got Devontae Adams involved a little bit. There needs to be more comfort level with him finding Devonte Adams because that's your best wide receiver. Um, what about that? What about the distribution of the ball on Sunday? What did you see there? What was good? What needs to get better in your view? Well, it's clear to me that Jimmy Garoppolo feels comfortable with both J- Jacoby Myers, who I believe had nine catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns before he was knocked out of the game by just a Bush league move from Kareem Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Devontae Adams, I believe, had nine targets. So those are the two guys he was targeting for most of the game. And then I think Josh Jacobs had three targets, and everyone else who got a target only got one target. So there were people out there saying, what about Hunter Renfro? What about Michael Mayer? What about Austin Hooper? Why did those guys get more targets? Jim Garoppolo has to spread the ball around. Yes, he does. But I, I feel like in your first game, even though he is comfortable in the system that he's playing in, you throw to the wide receivers you have the most trust in. And I think he had the most trust in, it, apparently, Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. I think Jacoby Myers' performance is important to note because Devontae is going to see double and triple teams and safety help over the top. Somebody has to be able to take advantage of their one-on-one opportunities 
And on Sunday it was Jacoby Myers. So that was good to see with Jimmy Gar- uh, with him and Jimmy Garoppolo hooking up. Going forward, of course, as I just mentioned, you want to see Jimmy G spread the ball a little more to the tight ends uh, and to the secondary or terrestrial wide receivers. Right. And there was only one target of a tight end. It was the big turnaround catch by Austin Hooper, a huge catch yep. for the Raider team on that drive. And Michael Mayer didn't have a good game. Uh, he had the one terrible holding call uh, where he grabbed the guy's jersey, didn't even need to do it. So so Michael Mayer's still struggling a little bit. He's got to get up to speed with the game. I think he's going to be fine. Your bold mm-hmm. prediction on him leading all uh, rookie tight ends in touchdowns, yards, and catches, I think will come true. But again, game one, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think that what's interesting, what I saw too, was because of the limitation, and, and you have to give Denver's defense some credit, Mo. I mean, they didn't play terrible. They played a good game. They really, especially up front, although I have to call out because I still see a lot of you telling me how bad the Raiders' offensive line is. They did not give up a sack yesterday, which which is a good, a good stat against a pretty good defensive front for the Denver Broncos. So you look at that and you say, okay, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I didn't see Josh McDaniels Yes, or excuse me, on Sunday, Mo, really open up the playbook very much either. It was pretty limited, and I think that was on purpose to get everybody comfortable. I think you're going to see that. Oh, we didn't see uh, two tight end sets maybe once or twice, I think I, I caught it, uh, and, and they were never targeted on. I think you're going to see a lot more as we move along. And in Buffalo, I think they're going to have to do it uh, and, and open up that offense a little more and, and try to, try to catch, catch Buffalo off guard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One thing I noticed about the player calling on Sunday. Now, remember, we had Benjamin Albright on the show last week. And what did he say? He said, and we asked about the defense. He said, the defense is going to be pretty good. Because I think you asked him, you know, the defense has been top five in recent years, but has been pretty good. What do you think about the defense? And he said the defense is going to be pretty good. And I said this during my Bleach Report live stream that people were saying, well, Josh Jacobs, he he didn't go off like he usually does against Denver. And And I'm telling people that. Josh Jacobs has ran through the Denver defense in the past three games. You don't think they're preparing for that? So I, I think you got to give Denver a bit of credit. They also signed Zach Allen in, in, in the uh, in free agency this offseason. So they beefed up their front line, even though they lost Draymond Jones. But one thing I did notice about the play calling that a lot of people are not bringing up is, yes, the pass blocking was pretty good. The run blocking, not so much. Yeah. But you know what they did? They brought in Thea Mumford as a six. Offensive lineman a lot. Now I know he also Jumbo played right end. tackle. Right. Jumbo tight end. <laughs> they 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 rotated their Mumford Jr. and Jermaine Illuminar at right tackle. Yes, but there were times where they were both on the field at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes their Mumford was on the left side of the offensive line. So to your to your point about protecting Jimmy G, not taking a sack, there was some play calling built in there to make sure Jimmy G stays upright. And sometimes they had six offensive linemen on the field. I think that's important to note. It is important to note, and and I'll have to go back as I watch the game tape again and see how successful they were during those downs, right, and, and getting the ball where it needs to go. So I, I, I think, though, that, that they did a good job there. And to your point, listen, it's the NFL. 
unless you're playing a team that is just completely brutalized by injuries, I mean, look what look what Arizona did on Sunday, right? With the with the Commanders, nobody was everybody. Oh, they're going to win one or two games. Well, look, it's the NFL, folks. These are pro players. They're playing not only for money but for pride. And so when you go against a team, a divisional game on the road, it's never easy. I don't care how many in a row you've won against a team. It's still a tough game. And I think that Denver played well on defense. That's why you won with 17 points, but you won the game. And so very interesting. So, so that's Jimmy G, and I think he, you know, we'll continue to see him get more comfortable with the surrounding cast. And if the line can protect him continually, then uh, things can go very, very well. Let's jump across to the uh, the defense. We talked about Tyree Wilson, and, and you, you put a bookmark on that as we were going to the last break. A lot of folks talking about Tyree Wilson looking really, really slow, absolutely at times. There were a couple downs where I saw what I think all the scouts saw, but it was few and far between. We've been preaching patience here, Mo. Uh, he's been put into play into more snaps than probably they wanted to. The Chandler Jones situation certainly helped dictate that. We saw Malcolm Coons, who did really, really well at times on Sunday. But give me your impressions of Tyree Wilson, concerns, and what he needs to do between now and maybe week three and four to perhaps start to turn some heads and change some minds. I don't know how many times I've said this on our show on my Bleach Report live stream, but, and you said, and you just said it, you have to be patient with Tyree Wilson, okay? For the people out there, Tyree Wilson sucks, he's a bust, <laughs> should have drafted Jalen Carter, which is never gonna happen because yeah. we all know why. You gotta have to give Tyree Wilson some, a few weeks. I, as I've said, he's missed just about all of training camp recovering from foot surgery. He played 12 snaps in the preseason that may be fine for a veteran not for a rookie when you're a rookie you need all of those snaps from rookie mini camp all the way through training camp he had 12 preseason snaps maybe a couple of practices give him some time to develop now people are criticizing i saw clips floating around twitter x he's slow off the snap you know he's not one of those guys who times up the snap he's not the Kansas city chiefs tackle getting out early right <laughs> so and if you watch this show, and I, I believe I wrote about this, one of the criticisms about Tyree Wilson at Texas Tech was he is slow off the snap, slow off the ball. That that's not I don't think that's gonna change very much this year. Now he could probably work on that. And I made this point on a previous show that the, the point of bringing him in next to Chandler Jones, who is quick off the snap, was Chandler Jones would be able to kind of help him in that area to get off the ball a lot sooner after the snap so he can get a a jump on the quarterback. So if you're if you're looking for a defensive player to get off the ball quickly, you know, read the scouting reports. That was one of the major criticisms of Tyree Wilson's game. The other thing was, and my guy over there at Draft Network, uh, Damian, does a very good job at breaking this down. He said Tyree Wilson wasn't a polished product. And that goes back to my point why he needed those off-season snaps at OTAs, at mandatory mm-hmm. minicamp, at training camp, because – while he is, I believe, 23, 24, not the most polished prospect coming out of Texas Tech. So there's a lot for him to learn. He has to put together a pass rushing plan. That's what I want to see from him going forward was when you go when you go out there and you're at the line of scrimmage and you're an edge rusher, it's not just going up against the other guy and, and, and physically dominating him to get to the quarterback. You have to have a plan. 
you know, and then some of it comes from studying, some of it comes from you, what you're able to do as a pass rusher. But what I saw from Tyree Wilson that's not concerning, but that he's going to have to work on is he has to be able to set up his pass rushing moves. He can't, you can't just bull rush guys on the pro level because you're bigger and stronger than them because right. everyone, most of the people, not most, all everyone on the NFL offensive lines, these defensive linemen, they're big and strong guys. It's not like college where there's a discrepancy between some of the top recruited guys are bigger and stronger than some of the less recruited guys. The five-star guys, just bigger, faster, stronger than the one-star guys, right? That's not the case in the NFL. You have to have a plan when you're rushing the quarterback. Tyree Wilson doesn't have a plan yet, but that's what the coaching staff is there for, to help them in that area. And, and I understand people's reluctance to just accept what you just said, Mo, because of what's happened with this team and its drafts in the last four years. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's the past. If you want to live in the past, you can live in the past. But it's going to doom your future because you're not going to <laughs> see the road ahead of you. You're only seeing the road behind you. So if that's the case, you have to give the kids some time. We live in a time where everybody wants instant gratification and everybody wants to compare one situation to another situation which is not comparable. So you can't compare one player's performance to the other depending on the circumstance, especially a player coming off an injury. Now, if we're, if we're at the end of this season and he still looks like this, okay, I can see you being concerned. But again, 12 snaps in the preseason, that's nothing for a rookie who's coming back from a major foot injury, by the way. So you have to give him the time to develop. And I think that's going to happen. So, so don't compare him to Jalen Carter. They're different players, every, every, just completely different situations. And, and just move forward and see what he's able to do. Uh, I, I think you'll see improvement there. That's what the tape is for. That's what coaching is for. As our good friend and, and serial emailer to the show, Gary Harkenreader says, ABC, always be coaching. And that's what's got to happen. This team, this coaching staff, they got an a- incredible asset in, in Tyree Wilson. Like you said, Mo, raw. It's now their job to mold him and create a player. By the way, he's got a guy on the other side. Max Crosby, who is the perfect example of everything you just said. You have to have a plan. You can't just bull rush. You got to ha- you got to know what you're doing. You got to have moves. You got to understand how to attack the guy across from you. And he's got the guy there. So so he's got the people in the building to teach him this. So give him some time and see how it, it goes. Um, before we head to the break, Mo, one last group that I want to touch on, because we talked about them a little bit earlier with Jacorian Bennett, was the defensive backs. This was also a mixed bag, but again, at the end of the game when they needed to play their best, they did. Marcus Peters did appear to be, I think, a step slower than I expected him to be. Trayvon Morig played well at times, played poorly at times. We saw Marcus Epps as well seem a little bit lost at the beginning of the game. He seemed to come on in the second half as well. Um, What were your overall impressions of that group? Um, and and how much better do they need to get before they go face that guy up in Buffalo named Josh Allen? Trayvon Merrick has to be better. If he wants to hold on to his job, <laughs> yeah. he has. Yeah. he's going to have to be better. I, I was not uh, at all impressed with him. You, you mentioned he, he also got banged up with a thumb injury, but that's not, a, that's not an excuse. He did come back in the game. He's got to be better if he's going to lose his job. Because remember... This coaching staff inherited Merrick. They didn't draft him. That was the Mayock-Gruden regime that drafted Merrick in the second round. 
So when you're when you're not a guy who was drafted by the current coaching staff and in front office, you have a lot more to prove than the guys that they drafted. Um, so he's got to be better. Marcus Epps, I think he came along well in the second half. I, he did make some plays. Would have had a big fumble force on Russell Wilson if Marcus Peters had not had an illegal contact penalty called on him. So his, you know, his day would have looked a lot better had that, you know, been a been a been fair game, but it wasn't. Marcus Peters, he he's a cover guy. Uh, look, he's not gonna be your top tackler on the back end. That's Nate Hobbs, but you're yeah you're bringing him there to cover, not to make tackles in the backfield. So there were times where he you know he missed some tackles and had that penalty. Not good. I thought I thought overall the Raiders defense, and I said this on my live stream Sunday. The Raiders defense has to be better at tackling. One one play that made me pull my beard hair out was watching Samaje P. Ryan catch a ball and go like oh. 30 yards down the field up the sideline. And and guys are just bouncing off of him. How many years are the Raiders going to have to work on something basic like tackling? Yeah. I said this during my live stream. Tackling is effort and technique. They can fix that right away and they need to. I'm glad you brought up that play, though, because because one of my other gripes, you know, I've been griping about it. And, and there was some good play, so I, I give credit where credit is due. But how freaking slow is that linebacking core? Not only can they tackle, they uh, look. And Spillane had a couple nice plays, disrupt, disrupting the line and and making some backfield tackles. But I, I'm not convinced that I couldn't beat him in a 40 yard dash. That's how slow he is, and I'm slow. I have a piano on my back. He's that. I mean, that P Ryan play was a great example because they leak out. He leaks out mm-hmm. of there, and nobody can catch him. So, Dave Ziegler. He wouldn't give us an interview, but if he did, I'd say, dude, you cannot tell me you don't need a linebacker who can play in coverage because you, you don't have one. You just don't. And Diablo had some nice plays. I had people complaining about Diablo. But but again, this is the unit it is. You you can't get angry about it. You can't expect guys to play above their talent level, uh, but certainly the tackling, no question. I, I don't understand. It seems to be an NFL-wide problem. Some te- teams don't have the problem, but overall, I see it all over the place, and it's it's perplexing. One thing I will say to end on a positive note, Nate Hobbs looks looked fantastic. He did. He, yes. he he had he I believe he led the team in tackles with 12. And I believe he had two tackles for loss. This is your slot cornerback. I, he may be the best tackler on the on the back end of that defense between the linebackers and the cornerbacks and safeties. Nate yeah. Hobbs may be the best tackler of the group. And and to see him back in the slot and doing his thing, I, I think that's what everyone was looking for. He's a natural in the slot. Please leave him there. Glad you brought it up because I know we focus on the deficiencies a lot, and I know fans are heavily focused on the deficiencies from Sunday, but that was one of the great bright moments coming out of that defensive effort for the Raiders. Nate Hobbs continues to show why he is universally liked by coaches, players, and fans. All right, we're going to step aside for our final break. When we come back, the show rolls on here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't you go anywhere. 